and welcome to the Write for Your Life podcast, a show about creative writing, copywriting, reading, and the ever-changing publishing industry. Bandwidth for January has been provided by Cashfly, the fastest, most reliable CDN in the business. Cashfly delivers all our content here at 5x5. They really are wonderful. Check them out at cashfly.com, C-A-C-H-E, fly, and let them know you heard them here on 5x5. I'm Donna Sorensen. Uh, and I'm Ian Broom. So that was Christmas. It was Christmas. That was not just Christmas. That was 2014. Finished. Done. In the bag. In the drawer. All, all sewn up. Absolutely. And um, I don't know about you. We'll, we'll look back at the year. But I feel it's um, it's been an interesting year. Not, not the best year ever, ever. Well, in, in world terms, it was relatively disastrous, wasn't Pretty it? Not, not much. I don't think we can be held responsible for a lot of that. No, no. But personally, I, I feel like it was it was kind of one of those ticking along years. But um, I'm sure we'll get back to that because we're going to have a little look back, aren't we? And a look forward because you can't really look forward efficiently without looking back first, wouldn't you say? I would say that's uh, there's some poetry in there somewhere, and um, and that's about right. <laughs> yeah. Did you have a nice Christmas? I'm only asking politely. I was with you, so I know that you had a terrible time. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> um, Christmas was nice, stressful. Why? I am uh, uh, just uh, just because of um, just because of all the shouting, <laughs> just, just the lots of noise, lots of noise everywhere. No, it's just been um, uh, just uh, just a continuation of what it was before. Just a uh, slightly poorly children. Overexcited oh, children, oh my absolutely goodness. angelic children. I cannot believe we're starting 2015 like this on the podcast. I, I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have asked you, Ian. You shouldn't have asked. It was fine. They just went a bit crackers. But you know, if you're two years old and you get presented with uh, Christmas, um, then you're going to go crackers. So mm. uh, it was. But it was fine. It was lovely. I'm just tired. That's all. I'm just very tired. Looking forward to getting back to work so that I can relax. <laughs> to sleeping at your desk. Something along those lines. Yeah, no, I, Christmas is always um, a lot bigger than it should be in terms of the prep, the time that you spend thinking about it. Yes, Christmas music starts in the shops in October, but I mean, realistically, you're starting to plan what you're doing at Christmas way before that. I mean, it's like half a year by the end of it. Well, Christmas, there's a period on Christmas Day which reminds me an awful lot um, of, of of kind of one of the problems you have when you're trying to write and you're finding it difficult or you're struggling with the motivation, um, but you desperately want to get some good, solid writing in. And that's that period, the time doesn't matter, what time of day, it doesn't matter at all when it's um, when you're writing. But on Christmas Day or Boxing Day, depending on uh, how you celebrate, there's a couple of hours in the evening where all of the day's festivities are done. You're probably going to watch a film later on and then there's kind of an hour and a half to two hours where nothing much happens but you feel like it should be happening because it's Christmas Day or it's Boxing Day and you think, well, this is where fun should be had. And I sometimes feel like that with writing. You get home from work, you know that in a couple of hours' time you might watch a TV programme or perhaps you'll go to, go to bed, who knows? Or maybe you'll have your dinner and you think, well, here's a, here's a free period and then before you know it, You've sat, done nothing, and thought that was valuable time, disappeared, gone forever, and um, and, uh, and 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 that happened a number of times. We're all. I, I'm not sure whether we talked about this on the podcast now, but I definitely have talked about it in general. Um, that I read that we're all becoming um, frenzied underachievers. 
this feeling, like you said, that you every minute should be filled with something, or if you have an hour and a half, you should do anything. I mean, you know, back in the day, people would have been like, you know, lying in the grass, looking up at the clouds, writing poems about what shapes they were making. And we're sitting there thinking, oh my God, I've got to do something. It's true, and I've um, I've I've given up things that I like doing because of uh, because of that feeling. Things like, um, well, uh, uh, today today is we're recording this, and I think publishing this on New Year's Day, and um, and we we went to uh, to my brother's today, and I played with my nephew who is uh, I think nine years old on FIFA F- FIFA fifteen two thousand fifteen. And um, which is a, a football, or depending on where you come from, a soccer game for the Xbox One and PlayStation Four. <laughs> feel free to uh, <laughs> feel free to use my affiliate links for that. Um, and uh, and uh, I and and I won. I mean, I did, I I kind of destroyed him. I upset him actually. Um, I was. Uh, it was actually quite strange. I also played with my my seven uh, six year old. Uh, nephew, I played with him first, and we were playing, just playing on on you know video games on on the on the Xbox, and um, I was looking at the screen, concentrating, and out of nowhere, there's a huge crash right next to me, and he fell off his chair. <laughs> <laughs> and um, your concentration—that's brilliant. I'm quite I'm quite used to uh, uh, children falling over, but mine are two years old, and you know my nephew doesn't have any. He doesn't have labyrinthitis or anything like that. I think he just sort of was lost in the moment and just fell off his chair. That is what you you pushed him. You pushed him over past the limits. That's brilliant. I didn't push him. I mean, there were tears and everything. No, I don't mean physically um, push him. I mean, you know, the game was so intense that he, he, um, he went all in. Indeed, absolutely. And then I played against my other nephew and uh, I was 2-0 down and I came back to win 3-2 and he was furious. I was delighted and I thought, after playing for about 40 minutes, I thought... I quite I quite enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I think no, I can't I can't enjoy playing video games. I'm a 33-year-old man with a 34, damn it. 34-year-old man with a novel to write and a and a job to keep down and children and stuff. And then I thought no, why should I? Why should I worry about those things? And I, and I agree one of the, one of the reasons that I stopped playing video games completely is because of um is because I felt like I should. Because I was, if I had a spare hour or an hour and a half, I should either spend that time writing or fretting about not writing. I know. I feel, and, I feel exactly the same. My little finger has become redundant again after being brought out of. I mean, you know, you don't use a little finger for anything in case you hadn't noticed, everybody, apart from Guitar Hero. There were two years where I was using my little finger all the time. I was playing a lot of Guitar Hero. I mean, I, I if I tried to use it now for anything, I'd probably fail miserably because I've, I haven't done it for so long. I just feel guilty if I even look at the... I mean, I know it's it's old school now, Guitar Hero, right? But you just I just daren't go back into it, you know? When uh, I watched you play Guitar Hero a couple of times and it was uh, intense. Yeah. You, you'd, you'd reached a level at Guitar Hero where... Um, it was more than just a game. It was a form of meditation. Well, you, it meant something to you. You could see it in your eyes and 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 kind of. I mean, you you weren't wearing the getter, but um, uh, you, you kind of looked a little bit like uh, the little fella out of ACDC. <laughs> I'm going to take that as a compliment. It was a compliment. Oh, that's amazing! Thank you. Uh, I was just talking. I. As you just mentioned, it was New Year's Eve last night. Fantastic. I'd just like to say that I, everybody knows that's listening, I'm quite pregnant. I stayed up till 4am without any alcohol, 
just purely on good company, happiness. I was so proud of myself. That was fantastic. Uh, that's very impressive. So I have a massive hangover today. Not that kind of hangover. I'm just uh, pretty exhausted, but in a good way. Anyway, we were chatting about the fact that apparently, do you know this, Ian? Like all the kids these days are watching um, this guy on YouTube who um, <laughs> who has recorded himself playing Minecraft and commenting on himself playing Minecraft. So now kids are not even wasting their time on computer games. They are wasting their time watching other people playing computer games. Donna, I don't mean to be the one to break this to you again, but there are hundreds and <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of people playing not just Minecraft, Minecraft but every computer game going on uh, recording themselves on YouTube and commenting. It's, it's a thing. Yeah, and it's been I'm happening quite for sure that that is a thing. But the fact that kids are not playing the computer games, they are just watching them. Well, I've spent some time watching those videos as well um, in uh, in, a, in a previous position, and um, and uh, they can be quite engrossing because you know if someone's good at doing that, you know if they're quite funny, for example, um, then then you know they can capture your attention. I just want I mean that that's obviously a whole new world for me because that's not the kind of computer games I played, and I played a lot of computer games, but it's a whole new world for me to imagine that, like. I'm quite sad. There's something really great about playing computer games and to actually just be watching other people playing computer games, that just seems like we are getting into weird kind of other dimensions and further and further removed from anything, any kind of skills or, I don't know, it's just just madness. Indeed. Speaking of skills, should we we divert this conversation back towards... um, 2014 and um, and some uh, highlights or a, a quick look back. Yeah. I think we're going to speak about uh, maybe our highlights, but um, we're going to frame this in a way that hopefully uh, expands the interest to uh, everyone. I know that's uh, the case with me. I've made resolutions for the first time, uh, proper resolutions that I intend to stick to, and creative ones, and I want to talk about those a little bit too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. I've made a couple as well. <laughs> okay, which we do we what do we do we do well, we, uh... I think we should look back first, shouldn't we? Because as I said, I think it's all well and good to to talk about what you want to do, but you have to see how successful you've been at doing the other things. Um are you going to mention the fact that you just sent us uh, or you just sent me and my other half a very cool text message which was a picture of resolutions that we wrote together in 2007? Um, I wasn't going to mention it, but uh, as you have, maybe we should. I, I do, I, it was really great because last night on New Year's Eve, I was saying, oh, I don't really make resolutions and I'm not going to bother tonight. And then driving home today, we got that text from you with that picture. And I was like, that is so weird. I did not remember that I did that. And it's actually, it's actually fantastic to have written it down because not because... I, I'm bothered about holding to resolutions particularly or because I never do but it's more just a really interesting insight to where your mind was at that time you know and what your priorities Indeed. were <clears throat> so we made these resolutions in uh, 2006 so going into 2007 and we did it I believe on an airplane on the way back from the Gambia yes. on a holiday yes and um, shall I read yours out yes I think it's a very important one this one yeah Mine was rubbish. I said in 2007 I will visit two new countries. I didn't do that. I mean that's as that's as interesting as that gets. But you, you had much uh, greater ambitions. You said in 2007 I will become so flexible, and I think that's the key phrase here. I will become so flexible that I can do the splits. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think actually what, what happened in the time after these resolutions is I got less so unflexible that, I mean I've never been able to touch my toes but it just it, it got worse and worse um, up until the point where I recorded that video trying to put my trousers on without using my hands and um, and that took four minutes when it takes you know a lot of people trying online 30 seconds so um, I have no idea why I made that resolution I didn't keep to it but it's interesting to me that I wanted to uh, to be flexible and so this year, as you're making your resolutions um, and, and looking back, so presumably in 2000 and, and, or approaching 2007, you were looking back at 2000, 2006 and just thinking, oh, this has been such an, an, such an inflexible year. Um, what can I do to improve that in the future? This year, are you looking back and thinking about how you might um, change your writing? Is that, is that what you mean? You're, apart, apart from sort of family life has changed, um, has your um, have your priorities changed? My priorities have changed, absolutely. When I look back at those resolutions, I think how lovely that I could think about light things like doing the splits. Um, I, that was actually before I did a, a lot of serious writing as well. That's very interesting to me because I imagine that my if I had made resolutions since, they would have involved writing. Um, so it's much easier for me now to say, okay, my specific goals next year are going to be very focused on writing because I look back to 2014 and it shocked me I had a look through my um my files not my physical files you know my my ones floating around in the cloud I wrote seven poems in 2014 that I would say are are completed poems and two of them were wedding requests for people which I then performed at their weddings so basically five for myself and the year before that, I had my uh, first collection of poetry published and I'd written 70 poems, I think, in three years and 50 of those went into the collection. So that was that was a yeah, bit of a wake-up call for me there. I know, I, I'm aware that I'm going to slow down because I have a little one and uh, a job, very intensive job writing, but five poems in 12 months. What am I doing? I'm like blooming Donna Tartt. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think that yeah, I think that there are, I, I'm learning and beginning to accept as I age and uh, and change as a, as a writer that we're not all born of the same cloth. We're not all um, we're not all no writer is the same. I was reading blog post by Chuck Wendig, fantastic uh, blogger. Um, I haven't read any of his fiction, but it's presumably pretty good because he's uh seems to be constantly selling and writing new books and he did a review of his year and i think he'd written uh, i can't remember exactly but he'd written two or three novels and he'd done a script and he was doing this that and the other and um he'd you know it was and i was reading it thinking oh my goodness what am i doing and um and i think it's easy to look at someone who is that productive or uh, prolific and think god why why do i bother if i can't keep up that kind of pace i'm never going to uh, m- uh, make it and i don't think that that's necessarily how it works for a start chuck wendig has been writing for a long time and he, he's been published a while so he has um um as, as as i understand i don't know him that well uh, either online or at all off but as i understand writing is his full-time job so you would expect him to be pretty productive um 
and it's not for you and it's not for me and it's not for millions of other writers um so there's that and then there's also the case that maybe it's just the way he writes maybe he's just a really quick writer maybe he's a really like fantastic writer and he's able to put first drafts out there that uh, are more or less spot on who knows i know that i'm not like that and i know that lots of other people aren't like that but i think it can be really um limiting and 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 it can really put you off if you constantly judge yourself against other writers and 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 end up thinking well that person has written 50 poems this year i've only written five and therefore i am useless or that person is myself i'm not comparing myself to other writers i'm comparing myself to my former self that did write 50 poems in a few years which went into a a collection and that i think um, is useful (laughs) my point my point is that well what i was going to say was there's you can compare yourself to the writers but you can also sometimes you just have to admit that some years or some months or even some weeks you just can't do it in the way that you previously could i've had you know i've probably had more unproductive years than i've had productive years and i'm and that's just kind of how it is you know we we talk about this so much and i know that we hope in 2015 that we'll talk about it less but if you're in a position where you have a new a new family then you're not going to have much time to write if you change jobs you won't have much time to write if there's maybe a, a death in your family or something like that and you're going through a bereavement then you can't be expected to suddenly just whack out 50 poems a year yeah. you need time to live your life and recover and i you know i think it's important that you're not too hard on yourself but it's, it's and not that we're so much all... that I'm, I'm i'm sitting there thinking oh no i'm a failure for me this is about perspective I published my first collection in three years from start to finish and realising that I've just managed to write five poems in an entire year is is really, really important because I need to reassess, you know, my, my, my writing future, how I'm going to go forward. I'm not going to be able to publish another collection. I mean, even if it was to happen very, very easily for me this time, which, I mean, let's face it, it's probably not going to, uh, you know, in three years' time. That's just not going to happen. I can see that. So I need to say, okay, what what should I actually be doing right now? Because at this rate, that would take me 10 years to finish finish a collection. And that happens to some writers. I know it does. I'm just asking myself, okay, am I that kind of writer? Do I maybe then say, okay, I've published, pu- published a poetry collection and I adore writing poems and I will tinker around. I'll write five poems a year. But maybe, for example... In the spring, when I'm about to go on maternity leave and I have a few weeks of, of a big, solid block of writing time, actually, maybe I should use that to on a different writing project and something that will kind of tide me over and keep me going. That's that's all. I just think it's really, really useful, actually. I'm not I'm not worried or demoralised or anything. I was so delighted to be able to, to do a first collection that quickly. At the moment, I'm reading a, a fascinating book, um, Blood Axe Books. I've mentioned them before really, really fantastic poetry publisher in the UK, um, have just published a book by... um, It's basically the collected works of a poet called Rosemary Tonks, who disappeared um, completely for, like, 30 years. In the 60s, she was an extremely prolific poet and a novelist and a reviewer, and she was, um, like, a literary darling. And then she just turned her back on it all and just, just disappeared from the face of the earth and 
she just passed away at 85 and um, this book has been published gathering together all her works and also looking a little bit at her life and her motivations um and again it's, it's, it's really fascinating to me to see somebody who had a period of their life where they were in like a writing frenzy for five or six years and then stopped for decades i think i think it's it's really really interesting it is interesting and i do think it's important that um writers uh try and think long term as much as um as much as short term really and and short term is important it's important to kind of know what you're doing over the next few months um and to know what you want your next project to be but i do think it is important to kind of think about you know um let's say you're our age sort of early 30s try and think about well what might i have achieved by the time i'm 50 because achieving anything in in writing creative writing anyway is is difficult it's um it's hard and and to 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 kind of build a publishing a career in publishing um is it's not an, it's very 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 rarely an overnight thing you have to kind of stick at it and again it's why i think it's important not to get um on one's own back too much to um to to kind of fret about not writing constantly if as you know as long as you have like a reasonable <laughs> a reasonable excuse and i'm not saying that i'm perfect at this because I, I think it's high time i uh, cracked on with things but at the same time you, having that objectivity and looking back over a longer uh, sorry looking back and then kind of trying to project forward over a slightly longer period of time can be quite valuable and it sounds like that's what you're doing which is quite you know, I think that's a, a pretty good idea. Mm. I'm always interested to see when I come across a new writer or a famous writer that I look a bit more into their lives, uh, seeing the gaps between their books because I think it, it it it's it's reassuring. It is reassuring. You know, it's not everybody that's pumping out books every year, and I think it's it's um it's good to kind of like you say have a bit of a, an idea about what you would like over a longer period of time. I think we've talked quite a lot on the podcast about, you know, day-to-day writing goals or how to finish, like, shorter projects or longer projects in small chunks. But just the the, the general visualisation of where you're going as a writer, it, it's also nice because it, it, it reminds you that you are part of something bigger, you know, this being a writer. There are other writers out there living their lives and writing in so many different ways. Anyway, I didn't want it to be a negative thing. I think it's a very positive thing. Well, it's, it's uh, at the very least, it's good to uh, kind of assess where you're at. And the, have a new year is always a good time to uh, assess and maybe work out what you're going to do um, to change things or maybe to sustain things. And I'll tell you what, mm-hmm. changing to a new year is always a good time to learn something new, which is interesting because our sponsor this week is uh, lynda.com. And um, I'm delighted that Linda are sponsoring the Right for Your Life podcast because I think it's um, a fantastic service that a lot of our listeners will uh, enjoy and find beneficial. Uh, Linda is um, video-based training, and um, uh, I've used it previously, and you can get a free 10-day trial with lynda.com. Um, and uh, if you sign up via our URL, which is lynda.com slash WFYL. But let me tell you about it first. Why don't you kickstart your new year and challenge yourself to learn something new with a free 10-day trial to lynda.com? 
Lynda.com is used by millions of people around the world and has over 3,000 courses on topics like web development, photography, visual design and business, as well as software training like Excel, WordPress and Photoshop. All of their courses are taught by experts and new courses are added to the site every week. Whether you want to set new financial goals, find work-life balance, invest in a new hobby, ask your boss for a raise, find a new job or improve upon your current job skills in 2015, lynda.com has something for everyone. Sign up for your free 10-day trial today by visiting lynda.com slash WFYL and you will get unlimited access to every single course on lynda.com and there is thousands. Um, access to view tutorials on tablets and iPhone or Android. Access to new courses, which are added every single week. And uh, some of the courses and videos that are on there include things like getting... You know, are you familiar with getting things done? That kind of yeah. um, approach to um, kind of task management and productivity. Fantastic stuff on there by the man who wrote the book, David Allen. Um, stuff on business writing fundamentals. So as we've said many times, we're copywriters. So if you write for businesses or you're a copywriter, that type of thing, that's on there. Grammar fundamentals... I mean, I'm hoping a lot of our listeners will have the basics down, but if you want to get stuck in and find out more, then you can do that. And um, and, and I've also, uh, when I used uh, lynda.com, it was actually for some of the stuff I mentioned earlier. So I was learning um, how to do things with uh, video making, and I've also looked at some of the GarageBand tutorials. There really is pretty much videos on any topic you could possibly wish to imagine. So... If you are a writer and you're thinking of uh, ways to build your platform, much like um, uh, we do here with the podcast, maybe you want to set up your own podcast and you want to learn how to use GarageBand or Logic or some other program, or if you want to get into the YouTube brackets and uh, and get better at making videos or, or kind of taking pictures, that kind of thing. It's all on there. It's marvellous and you should go and check it out. So that's it. Do something good for yourself in 2015 and sign up for that free 10-day trial, lynda.com slash WFYL. And that's it. Thank you to lynda.com for sponsoring Right for Your Life and for supporting 5x5. Yes, thank you. Oh, it makes me feel really excited about 2015. Have you got some exciting resolutions? Resolutions. Well, I my, my look back um, is one of... It's uh, well, as we've just said, there uh, talking about Lynda.com, It's been one about my my uh, copywriting career as opposed to my creative writing career, um, and I aim to switch that in 2015. But last year it was all about going freelance with my writing, and um, and I do have lots of thoughts and advice on having done that, but I, I don't know if it's if it's uh, short enough to slip into a quick catch up of the year. But being a freelance writer is challenging. But it's not necessarily the writing itself that's that challenging. Because, you know, if you're a freelance writer, then most of the time you will have a have an idea of what you're doing. But it's kind of managing your time and 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 uh, getting all the other things through that you might not enjoy, like paying, you know, invoices being paid and all that kind of thing. And in my case, it was trying to manage having one big client with other smaller ones and um, and and kind of making sure I was... Um, in a position to to do that and to and to and to keep the business going as I wanted to, it was a successful year in that respect, and I've now gone on to work for that large freelance client, which is marvelous. And hopefully, in 2015, that means I'm going to be able to have more time to focus on my creative stuff because I've got a novel to finish. Yeah, you do. And um, 
so yeah, so that's my first resolution for 2015 is finish the novel, finish novel number two. And, um, and one of the things that I want to say that I hope is useful is that I had, a, a, I think it was a revelation, but I think I, would, I had been kind of considering this possibility for a while beforehand. But I had a long chat with my uh, agent just before Christmas and she was fantastic and, you know, you know I couldn't have better things to say about uh, about her and, and how she's helped me because I just, the more I spoke to her and the more I thought about the way things had gone with my writing, I began to think that maybe I'd been trying to write two novels instead of one. And I'd be interested to know if uh, anyone out there listening thinks that maybe they have done the same in the past or maybe maybe even doing that right now where you kind of have two strong ideas uh, or two ideas that you care about um, in the same way um, or as much and you're trying to shoehorn them into one novel when maybe maybe you're writing two novels and you need to stick a literary shoehorn in there and uh, separate the two well that's a, that um, sounds like an extremely productive conversation it was a very productive conversation and it's one of the advantages of having an agent and mm. or, or if you don't have one then having you know a really good uh, writing partner or a writing group that can help you kind of think about these things um but this if anyone's listened for uh, any number of episodes then you may remember me previously saying that all good novels have two good ideas and i think that's also true and that's one of the things that i've been trying to resolve in my mind and in my notes is have I got two ideas that make one novel or have I got two ideas that are actually two novels and again I think that piece of advice where you know all good novels have two ideas I think it's one main idea and then a supporting idea you can't just have a novel that is about one thing and one thing only there needs to be something else going on there needs to be, you know, maybe <laughs> the main character. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a quest to find a giant mountain of wonderfulness. And if you that was just the quest, that would be great. But there's usually something else going on. Maybe a love interest, or maybe there's maybe the person trying to find the mountain only has one leg, and they have to do it on crutches. And there's always an extra dimension. So I that's can the two tell ideas. I've been watching Frozen lately because I just just the imagery there. I had the a massive urge to burst into let it go <laughs> your story <laughs> looking for a mountain well, yeah go on carry on well you know this is the thing the ideas never bother me anyway until now mm. and so maybe that's uh, maybe that's more that piece of advice that you should have one idea and then a supporting idea which equals two ideas that also equals a good novel but maybe there are other cases, and maybe this is the situation I'm in, where there are two ideas and they're both equally strong and they are not supportive of one another. <laughs> they are just entirely different ideas hmm. and no matter how much you try and weld them together with a big welding pencil of magic, it isn't going to happen. And um, I think maybe that's the stage that I'm at now. I might be wrong, maybe the two ideas will come back together, but I think Sometimes you have to reach a point with your writing if it's not going how you want it to and just work out why. I know that some people say just write. No, I realise that that's a quite pe- exciting. I mean, the, the, this presumably you have like a primary idea out of the two of these ideas that you're working on. The other 
story or the other novel in that novel is that something that you'd be interested in going on to work on afterwards because that's that's quite cool as well to have like a to be able to see something afterwards well that's true and i don't know you never know because this is we're talking probably at least 18 months two years ahead if i'm lucky but potentially Mm. and that's something that I haven't really ever had. I've very rarely written something and known what I'm going to go on to next. Mm. And it's been one of the problems in writing the second novel. It's like, you know, which is the right idea or what do I write about? So the idea that came first is the one that I think I'm going to pursue. Um, and part of the reason for that is because I have an ending and I don't have an ending for the other one. And I've been trying to shoehorn them together and it hasn't gone as I've wanted to. So my resolution is to finish the novel but to assess where I am with it, shoehorn the two ideas and try and make try and make sure, and I think this is good advice, try and make sure that I'm not trying to do too much. I'm going to try and write one novel well as opposed to shoehorn what maybe two novels together. Yes. Fantastic. Hope so. <laughs> um, what other resolutions do you have? Well, the other one is... Um, is uh, is hopefully going to come to fruition, and that's to publish an audiobook version of A.S. Frangelica. Calm down, everyone. Calm down. Don't get excited. Um, yeah, that's the plan. Um, I've always wanted to have an audiobook version of A.S. Frangelica, and hopefully, without extrapolating further, by hook or by crook, there shall be one in the next... Well, 12 months, but hopefully sooner than that. Okay, I will record it for you because I am a semi-professional voiceover artist. Unless you want Stephen Fry to do it. I mean, I can ask him. (laughs) Um, That sounds like a good one. Also because it's, it's, it's... looking at your book that you've already got rather than, like, looking at the next project as well. Because I, I... I've been thinking about that. I've been a bit sad about my little book and what can I do now a year on, you know? It's also important to 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 remember that it's there in the world. I mean, do you uh, do you have the audio rights to your uh Do you know it's book? absolutely terrible that I don't even know. It's 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 terrible that I don't even know that. I need to whip my contract out and have a good old look through it. Get on to my publishers. They're going to say, who are you? Please don't call here again. (laughs) (laughs) Not really. Um, Yeah, that's something I'd like to look at as well. Well, I mean, I'll tell you now. I can, if if you were to, we've all heard your wonderful reading voice because you've um, you've decided to read a couple of poems on the podcast. I have, I'd like to read one later as well. Well, we're we're already looking forward to that. (laughs) And... um, and and if you've got the rights to that, or if you can grab the rights back for that, I think you could quite easily record an audio version of your marvellous poetry. And I think at least between at least between ten and seven thousand people will. We don't have seven thousand listeners, so now I was going to say I was going to say listeners to the podcast, but we'd have to. If you take the top number down a bit, then some people some people would buy that. My mum and a few other people might, especially if I uh, do a bit of xylophone action in there. Well, you could you could you could uh, write a score. I could do. Oh yes. Well, it's uh, yeah. I I'm going to look into it. All right, I promise. I think you should. I think I think anyone listening who wants to hear that should contact you at the flying poets yes. on twitter and say give me the audio book do it i want i want your audio in my ears fantastic um 
I have a, a little resolution that I'd just like to mention, and that is that I would like to spend less time in bed with my husband in 2015. <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> and I'd just like to explain, obviously, I'm going to expand upon this point. Um, I was sitting here thinking about the year, and I've realised that we don't watch television anymore. We just watch series. You know, like we're doing the what everybody's doing these days doing a series and we are watching it on our computer in our bedroom see now this is uh this is interesting because you've mentioned a number of times you've talked about game of thrones you've talked about broken bad or your various um series that you've watched mm. i don't know about anyone else listening to this but i when i pictured you watching that you weren't in bed i know well this is the thing the reason that i need to spend less time watching things in bed with my husband is because i feel like I'm like the space in the apartment is completely messed up now. Like we have a lovely living room and we have another room where we sit and write on computers and things. And I've realized that I've not been using those rooms when you end up, you know, this, your bedroom is, is where everything happens. But Hey, no, not like that. You know what I'm saying? It's, I think it's, it's not very motivating for you. I think you need to have different spaces for different things in your life and when you're sitting and writing at your computer, you're watching TV on your computer, and all of this is happening in your bedroom, you're also sleeping, sometimes doing other things in your bedroom, like getting changed, um, then it, I don't think it's, it's, a, it's healthy, emotionally, and I don't think it makes you a very productive person. Well, let me, let's, let me move on to my last resolution for 2015, because I think that you should do it as well, by the sounds of it. I mean, you, you've just described a fairly... I mean, I know I'm probably wrong, but it sounds like a fairly sloth-like experience. <laughs> I'm getting a lot done. I'm just saying that when you normally watch TV in the living room or the, well, you know, whatever you call your living room, and you use the bedroom for something else, that's not happened in 2014, and I need to to get get my rooms back to what they should be used for. Right, okay, well... This is something I want to do with my writing in 2015, and it's something that I recommend to everyone. So one of my, um, one of my, probably my, the, I, I didn't do as much reading as I would have liked in 2014, but one of the books I did read, which I loved and is very short and I highly recommend, is Show My Work by um, Austin Cleon, who we shall phrase correctly this time. Um, and uh, it's a, a short book. It's his follow-up to his first book, which was called Still Like an Artist, which was also fantastic. It's separated into 10 chapters, all of which contain some fantastic advice. And as I read it, I reread it recently, actually. I read it earlier on in the year, and I read it quite quickly, thought it was great, and I didn't really act on anything. Sometimes when you read a book and it really inspires you and you think, yes, I'm going to make a change, I'm going to do something, it's really important to do it then and there. And I didn't, and I I just went back and reread some of the chapters just before Christmas. And it's um, it's really spurred me into action along with the dawning of the new year. And the premise of um, the book, Share My Work, is all in the title, really. It's the idea that um, we need to we need to share what we make and we need to um, not feel hindered by um, any kind of idea of of, of what what you know, of kind of what needs to be what should be shared and what shouldn't. Um, and and you know, one of the chapter titles is called "Learn to Take a Punch." We need to kind of just accept that that's the way. 
to to kind of keep going and to and to get things out there and to uh, improve and to share and get feedback, all those kinds of things. Um, anyway, I love the book. You should read it. One of the things that I really love about the book is uh, a chapter called "Share Something Small Every Day." This is something that is the opposite. This is the opposite of what I've been doing, and uh, and I think it's the opposite of what a lot of us do as writers. Is that we say, right, we're working on this project. I'm going to write a novel, or I'm going to write a collection of poetry, or I'm going to write short stories. And the nearest we get to sharing them with anyone is by putting them. Uh, by submitting them to agents or to literary magazines or reading them in our writing groups, um, and or and and the reason we often do that is because we want them to be perfect and to be the final product. And it's I I, I feel like I've done that, and I feel like I've done that for a long time, and that's not how I used to work. I used to be sharing my work all of the time, whether it was at spoken word nights, whether it was. Um, uh, as part of my MA course, or whether it was just um, uh, with kind of close friends who were working on things with me, I was always putting putting something um, out there in some form or another. Now, of course, uh, we all have our profiles. We have all these different sort of social media profiles. Most of us have websites as well, and um, and we have places to do this. And Austin Cleon is fantastic at doing this. And he's always sharing not just his work, but also his process, how he made stuff. And his Share Something Small Every Day is his blackout poetry. So this is, um, excuse me, this is his, um, it's not a new idea. And this is where he, this is what he refers to in his first book, Still Like an Artist. Um, But he, he takes a page from the New York Times, an article, and every day he will black out a lot of the, most of the words to leave um, kind of random words which aren't random at all because they make up a sentence and it's great he does it every day and there are two things I like about this one that he's doing it every day and it you know it keeps you going there's a momentum to it um, uh, and also the, the fact that he's sharing it so he puts all these online and 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 it's there it's like a it's a it's a physical thing albeit in you know, on on the internet, but it's something that he's made, and it's it's there every day, and it's shown to the world. And also, he does it by hand, so it's the idea of using one's hands. And this is where I come on to the link with your sloth-like um, existence. Watch. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know that's not because I was wondering how you were going to link these two things together. I'm intrigued. Carry on. I'm I'm coming to it, and it's it's. I don't I don't watch TV in bed in the way that you do. But as I've said before, my office is in my bed and I have one desk. I don't have a lot of room and it's in my bedroom. And it's sometimes very hard to kind of sit staring at the screen and I don't have a lot of room to make stuff with my hands. And I don't write as much as I used to, you know, with by hand. Mm. And I just want to get back to the idea of writing stuff down and making things. And so my Christmas card for my wife uh, this year or last year was a blackout poem. I did exactly the same thing. It wasn't brilliant, but uh, just this morning, I decided to publish it on my blog, ianbroom.com. And um, and it's there, and I've that's my commitment. It's the start of my commitment to making more things with my hands and sharing them. Where it links with you is that I'm doing this in a different place. I'm not going to do this at my desk, where my keyboard is taking up most of 
the working space, working area. I'm not going to do it anywhere near the bedroom at all. I'm going to do it at the kitchen table or sat on the sofa. I'm going to use index cards. Uh, I'm going to make notes in my notebook. And I'm just going to share things. Like It could be just sentences. It could be just a couple of words. It could be a little vignette or a short story or something. But I'm going to try and keep working and 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 sharing. And it might not be stuff related to my novel, which is my big project for the year, but it could be anything. And it's all about sharing the process because it all adds up. All of these little bits of creative work, they all add up to one thing in the end. And um, and I want to do that. I want to be more open and, and more creative and make stuff with my hands and do it in a separate space. So you need to buy a small desk. You need to put it somewhere in your uh, apartment that isn't anywhere near your bedroom, preferably not the toilet. And that's where you need to write poetry. Yes. Or I could just use the dining room table. Also a good option, cheaper. <laughs> it's, um, yes. Okay, so we are both going to develop our creative spaces in 2015, aren't we? That's what it sounds like. As well as sharing more and smaller things more frequently, we are going to explore different ways or different spaces for creativity. Yes, actually actually working in physical spaces, not being tied to the computer, but still just taking those moments maybe they're Pomodoro moments Mm -hmm. and just having a notebook or an index card writing something because some of those I didn't do this I did I did about 10 or 15 index card index card shorts I call them just little sort ideas little potential tiny little stories in single sentences and I think some of those looking back now I didn't I, I didn't do it for very long but they were interesting and they got me thinking and I think some of those little sentences and ideas I'm going to stick them on the wall or refer back to them online and um, and they'll probably some of them will end up in the novel it all counts is what I mean it all counts absolutely absolutely great um, I had two very very small resolutions which are very specific um, and they involve targeting the US for publication which I haven't done yet I've had a lot of publications my most of my publication not a lot of publications most of my publications have been in Ireland where I lived and was writing poetry very intensively I've also been published in the UK I would like to have more publications in 2015 in the UK so I'm going to work really hard on that and America 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 man that is a big target for me for 2015 I would like to start submitting to journals in America and that's that's it feels feels exciting. That is exciting. How would you go about doing that? If anyone else uh, is interested in trying to ship their uh, poetry or I guess other types of creative work to different countries, how do you uh, do? You know how you're going to do that? Yes, I mean it depends. First of all, you need to know what type of poetry different journals publish because I've had a, quite a hard time submitting to UK journals. I've I have been published in the UK, but I find that they are so specific, a lot of uh, journals in the UK, about what kind of poetry they publish. So you really have to know what kind of poems editors are looking for at different journals. And all of this stuff, you you know, you're going to find online, you should be um, subscribing, not submitting, subscribing to journals and getting them and having a look at what kind of poems they publish. Also, you know, if you, if you know other poets or you have poetry collections, you can see where they've been published. And then you'll get a sense of what kind of poets are published in which kind of journals as well. Um, so, so yeah, it's just a, it's a big exploration. And then you need to start mapping out which poems are going where, because presumably your poems are all different as well. 
Um, so you have to be quite organised, but it's, it's yeah. It's all important. And is that it? Yeah, yeah I was going to say, is that side of um, uh, kind of designing and submitting po- uh, different poems to different journals? Is that something that you actually quite enjoy, or is it? Is it just? Does it feel a bit laborious? It seems like because I always found the submission process quite exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. I mean, if you take a year like I just had in 2014, where I had five new poems, and all the others have been published in a collection, that that limits what you're going to be submitting where anyway. But um, but in general, I think it's 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 really really interesting. It's just with poetry, you have to have patience because journals have your poems for ages, and you have to wait. You know and had an interesting situation with a, a, a big poetry journal in the UK called Magma Poetry, I can say that now, where I submitted in May um, poems for their issue that was coming out in October and didn't hear back from them, which is very unusual. So I assumed that they were considering it because I, I had been rejected from them before. As I mentioned this on the podcast before, I was rejected very, very early. Um, and as I didn't hear back, I thought, OK, well, maybe I'll just wait and see. Then the issue came out and I still hadn't heard anything and I thought that was very unusual. So I actually, I tweeted them and I just asked them if they changed their policy of um, responding to all submissions, even if it was a rejection. And they said they hadn't and they think they know what what had happened and they would like to contact me and tell me what had happened. I thought, well, there you go. At least that's something, you know. It's not just like you're being completely ignored. Um, I think that's an interesting development as well, actually, in, in the submission process that you, you, you can. I mean, you're not obviously going um, to hound editors and things like that, but just if you haven't heard back, that it's actually okay to say, um, <laughs> you know, six months. And did they call you back? No. They didn't get in touch after they said they would. <laughs> <laughs> no, but there's, that's very interesting because the editor, they have a different editor for every um, issue, and the editor is going to email me. He hasn't yet. Well, I mean, I was I was hoping there'd be a happy ending to that story. There's but. not going to be a happy ending anyway because my poems didn't get in there. But just to even find out, you know, oh, yeah, we printed your poems out and then ran out of toilet paper so someone used them and, and you know, they were forgotten about, unfortunately. But thanks for submitting. <laughs> I would even have been delighted to hear that, just to have heard something, you know. Um. Aspirations, that's what we need to set high for 2015. You've been talking to me too long. <laughs> you need to uh, aim higher, be positive. Um, could, could you, you've got those five uh, poems. Um, let's say, um, let, let's say a, a listener has five poems. Is it, is it the done thing to potentially um, publish? Maybe you'd want to write a few more than five, I don't know. But could you maybe publish a couple of those to your website? Or, uh, does that count as being published forever they can't appear anywhere else or no i don't think it or does. could not not with literary could even, journals could you even put them into a pamphlet and sell it sell it yourself for uh, uh, until you get them published the collection uh, i don't know how does it work you could that kind do, of thing? but the people i know that have have done that i think they found it harder um harder to move on then to a full collection because it sounds like it's great because you're getting it out there but ultimately if you don't have you know, a great distribution system and people backing your work, then it is going to be a very small number of people that see it unless it's online. You know, if you're talking about printing out a pamphlet, um, whereas if you are able to, to to go with established journals, they've already got a larger readership and then editors are going to be noticing you and all this kind of stuff, you know. Not that I would say don't do it, but I just chose not to do not to go that route. 
Make and share. That's all I'm saying. Make and share. <laughs> yeah, but I think on, online is, is a completely different thing, you know. I mean, once you've published a pamphlet, I imagine it will affect your where you can publish those poems afterwards, whereas I don't think it's the same kind of thing online, unless it's an online journal. But if you had your own website, for example. Hmm. Hmm. Well, it's going to be an exciting year. It is. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm genuinely looking forward to it. Mm. Um and uh, and hopefully it won't be so windy. I, we, we've come to the end of the show, and I don't know if I probably should have mentioned this earlier, but we've got gale force winds again here in uh, the north of England, and um, and and the ghost is back. The zombie, the zombie ghost, zombie the, the zombie ghost, wife yeah. ghost, yeah, um, oh, yeah. making terrible noises. <laughs> Awful. Oh, excuse me. It's all that kind of. Oh, another one. Um, so should we leave it there? Yes, I, I did just promise a little while ago that I was going to read a poem this episode, but I, I'm going to save it because it's 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 quite a big one. It's not one of my poems, but it's something that really impacted on me in 2014. But I can share that next week. There's a good reason for tuning in next week. We haven't even mentioned the uh, Christmas special. <laughs> the mutinous Christmas special. After I said, no, there's not going to be anything over Christmas... Yeah, absolutely. I, I love the word mutinous there. That's tremendous. Um, and it was a mutiny. I just went for it. Totally went for it. Um, and uh, and I, I threw some music in there by... So if, if if you're new to the show, and for some reason you're new to the show and you've got to the 50-something minutes, then well done. And, um, and, and I uh, recorded a Christmas special, and it was uh, uh, 20 minutes long, and... Um, I, I basically read a Hans Christian Andersen story. So if you haven't listened to that, then and you're interested in Christmas stories at the start of January, then you should you should go and listen. Um, and there's some fantastic music on the podcast, which was used by kind permission of Native and the Name, um, a wonderful band. Find them on iTunes, Spotify, etc. And um, and uh, and yeah, you know, people have downloaded it and listened to that uh, to me to me reading a story. Imagine that. Yeah, it's great. Anyway. Where can people find you on the internet? They can find me at The Flying Poet on Twitter. I also have a Facebook page for my poetry, Donna Sorensen Poetry. And I'm, that's another resolution. I'm going to post more there this year. So I hope make to see and share. you all there. Make and share. Make, make and share. Um, and you can find me on uh, Twitter at Ian Broom, I-A-I-N-B-R-O-O-M-E, or you can go to my website, ianbroom.com. Um, and I'm going to be sharing, making and sharing a lot more stuff to my Tumblr this year as well, which is uh, Broomstick, uh, which is, I mean, very clever. I think everyone can agree. <laughs> um, and that's my Tumblr, so uh, feel free to look for titbits there. And, um, and that's it. It's been a pleasure. Welcome 2015, everyone. Uh, it's here. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's, uh, write, write. Let's write for our lives. Let's do it. I hope you all have a fantastic year. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. Bye.